1: Nikki Haley uh, finishes a distant second, as expected, in her home state of South Carolina. But she's not going anywhere. She, she says she's going to stay in the race. And I'm here for it. I thought uh, we'd break this down with Michael Broadcorp. He's the former deputy chair of the Minnesota Republican Party. Also hosts the breakdown with Broadcorp and Becky Podcast. Joins us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Good morning, sir. Thank you for the time. So I started the show by saying, I don't know what Nikki Haley is doing, but I'm all for it as someone who doesn't want to see another uh, Trump uh, presidency. What do you think is her motivation besides saying, you know, I'm staying, I'm staying in the race, I'm going to be here, even though, you know, obviously she's there's really no path, and now a lot of her big donors are saying, okay, we've spent enough
2: money with her, we're going to look elsewhere. That's great to be here this morning, yes. I, I think there's a growing sentiment amongst, and it's pretty, I shouldn't say growing, but a pretty consistent sentiment that Americans do not want a Trump Yep. Biden rematch. And I think she's attempting to tap into it I'm in complete agreement with you. I think the math is hard for her. I think it's very difficult. Uh, but I'm all for it because I think the more that there is an option other than Trump for Republicans, I think that's good. Um, I think that's really good. But statistically, Adam, I mean, the probability of her winning the nomination is pretty low right now. Even though there's been such a small number of delegates allocated, she would have to do something pretty extraordinary. Uh, to start being competitive in the race for the nomination.
1: So I guess there's two theories at play here. One is that she is sticking around saying, okay, Donald Trump is facing numerous legal challenges, and there's a chance that he's convicted on one or more of those, and then I would be ready to go if that happens. The other theory is, I've heard now, is that, okay, maybe she's positioning herself for a third-party run. Which of those do you believe is more likely?
2: I think it's I think it's well, first of all, Trump is facing some serious legal jeopardy in the in the coming months. And so I think it is good to have a backup plan for the for, or good to have an emergency break or a backup plan uh, or an extra parachute for uh, the Republican nominee's path. I don't know about the viability of the of the third party. And here's why um, it's just I mean, I could I could see it going either way. First of all, there's I think it's tough to mathematically for a third party to win credibly, uh, I think that's a, I think we're a two-party system at the national level. I, I also will say to you though, is that there is a lot of frustration um, with I think amongst Americans. Once again, going back to it about a Trump Biden rematch, and so the problem with you know the uh, building a third party movement is sometimes they're situational, meaning you know there's angst this time around, uh, but you need a pretty strong personality to be able to do it. Um, and it's, it's better. It's a better exercise at the state level, which we saw, you know, in 98 in Minnesota with mm-hmm. Ventura, who was a very strong personality to able to anchor that movement. Um, I think that there's a number of scenarios uh, where you could see a, a no labels candidate or someone else getting in. But right now, I think it's right now. I think where it's at today is it's Trump Biden is the likely general election matchup. But there's this, still this growing sentiment of people who are not happy with that being the ticket.
1: When I look at Nikki Haley and her support, I think of, honestly, I think of people like you, people who are traditional Republicans who push for Republican ideals, but are totally dissatisfied with Donald Trump based on his character and other things. Is that, is that your, feel, the people that you know who are like-minded is, is are they of the same thought? And then that, is that kind of her, where her support comes from?
2: I think so. Yes, I've never traveled in a, in a. I didn't support Trump in sixteen or twenty. I've never really traveled in a pro-Trump circle, um, and so the, the vast majority that I people that I associate with and, and do stuff with are are certainly more inclined to be supporting. Uh, certainly more inclined to be supporting Nikki Haley, and that's you know if if I if I was uh, that's who I would certainly prefer to be uh, the nominee on the Republican side. I will also say from a numbers standpoint, I mean she polls instru- incredibly well. Against Biden, and I think again you, it goes back to that dynamic Adam, which is if, if the Democrats uh, didn't have Biden at the top and they had someone else, and if the Republicans had someone else at the top, uh, the dynamics of the race would be much different. Mm-hmm. By all available information that we know, based on polling, Nikki Haley would be a stronger candidate, I think, for the overall Republican ticket, and that's what I, I continue to struggle with uh, with the, the the with the Trump supporters is the path to victory. There is a path for Trump to win against Biden. It's just a much more narrow path. And it's, and it, uh, there's a lot of things that are at play, but Nikki Haley, if, if you're a conservative, if you're a Republican who wants to see the Republican party grow and succeed all across the state of Minnesota, you, you're a Nikki Haley supporter. That's where you should be.
1: Uh, as expected, Ronna McDaniel uh, is on her way out as the uh, head uh, of the uh, uh, Republican party. Um, it's just a confirmation that this is Trump's party now. And Correct. as someone like you, who I just, uh, by the way, we're talking to Michael Broadcourt, former deputy chair of the Minnesota Republican Party. As someone who obviously, as what I would call that traditional Republican, what do you mm-hmm. make of this transformation to the party of Trump? And what, what is your explanation? Because I, I, I struggle to come up with the solid reasoning on why so many people have just fallen in line here.
2: Regarding Trump, yes. I mean, I think um, Trump appeals to um, a, a frustrated group of, of Republicans and Americans. I think that think that, you know, just feel disenfranchised from the political system. He uses um, he, he uses, uh, you know, really strong language, rhetorical language to, to, to whip up his base. is a very passionate group of supporters. Uh, the problem is, is that I don't think that it's a coalition that can win. Uh, this time around I think it's a much harder path I struggle with it because uh because I don't identify much with it and I think that they're a, a passionate group of people who uh it's really become a cult of personality more than it is a political party and to see what's going on at the RNC to think that where you know part of the reason this could be done is that the RNC would be taking on all the legal bills of Trump's efforts uh and you know dealing with paying all those expenses again. This is where I don't think Trump is necessarily value added to the entire ticket, because the, there's a number of uh, of elections going on this this year that aren't just about the presidency. It's, um, it's Republicans potentially trying to win back the United States Senate, keeping the House of Representatives. And so burdening the RNC with potentially taking out all of Trump's legal fees and having the party have such a strong association and connection to him is, I think, going to be an anchor on the rest of the efforts. But that's what Trump people expect. They expect they expect uh, people to be loyal, 100% loyalty. And one thing that I've always noticed with the Trump supporters, is they're very uncomfortable with other people succeeding in the party if it's not related to Trump. And so I don't think the presidential race, the way Trump is as a candidate, I think he would need to have someone at the RNC and have it just be almost a mirror image of what he is and have it just be uh, an an extension of the campaign because it's all about Trump. Everything is about Trump. And that's ultimately, I think, the danger, Adam, for legislative candidates and for Republicans wanting to win the House of Representatives back here in Minnesota. It's it's having that Trump presence, I think, in the suburbs is going to be a challenge. It's a concern that I have just electorally.
1: I was just going to bring that up about the House of Representatives here, which will be up for grabs in November as well. If Donald Trump is at the top of that Republican ticket, does it significantly hurt Republicans' chances of winning back that House?
2: I think it makes it more difficult. And I think I think Republicans should... I mean, there's a couple things going in Republicans' favor. Uh, you know, there is, there is a weak incumbent president, mm-hmm. and I think that that's hurting the Democratic... the, the overall effort. But again... Donald Trump is really good is a really good mobilizing get out the vote factor for a portion of the Republican Party, but nearly all of the Democratic Party, and that's the issue here: is that who's going to be more motivated to vote? And and, and fear is a very substantive motivating factor for people to go out to elections. Um, and if if people are concerned about Trump, and it's and it's that thought, that that kind of down ballot effect that he'll have that I think ultimately will be so problematic. I think there's an argument to be made, Adam, that uh, he energizes certain parts of the state, and that's true, he does. He does energize certain parts of the state. But if you're thinking about, I I live in Eagan, where I I live and what I've seen over the years is Republicans losing in those suburban areas. And so if Republicans are going to make the type of gains that they need to pick up the majority, they need to win in some of those suburban seats. And I, I just, I'm challenged, I'm continually trying to monitor and trying to understand how Donald Trump helps Republican candidates win in the suburbs. Because what I've heard from people consistently is that it's a problem. And so we'll have to wait and see. I think it's just tougher math with him at the top.
1: So the focus, if you're uh, being hired by some of these candidates, the focus, which has been, seemed to be, is on the you know last year's legislative session where you had the trifecta, spending all this money. Uh, We thought that would be a good argument for Republican candidates this year. So is that a matter? You just focus on that and try to just avoid the whole Trump uh, uh, name altogether?
2: Yes, but but yes, but that's difficult because Trump people are aware of that and yeah. they understand that type of mindset, and so they're going to want they're going to want to be in the front seat with the campaign, and so one thing that's in, one thing that I think may be going in Republican favor is Trump in in Trump when he was last running for president said he wouldn't come back to Minnesota if he didn't win the race. Yeah. He famously said. I'm not coming back to Minnesota if I don't win this time around. Well, Trump lost the state in 2020. So I think one of the best things that could happen for Republicans in this state is that Donald Trump doesn't come back. And they have that space in which to to build their own, their own kind of operation separate from the Trump effort. The problem with that is, as I've said before, is that Trump wants that association. It's all about Trump. It's 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 the Republican Party of Trump uh, more than anything right now, and that's the problem. And it's difficult to have it's difficult for a local candidate to break out from that message when you have such a dominating figure at the top of the ticket.
1: Uh, fairly close in 2016, not so much in 2020. I don't see any scenario, do you, that Donald Trump could win this state?
2: You know, polling shows uh, recent polling shows that it's close. Um, I will say to you again, going back to the get out the vote. That once the election comes around, I think that Trump is going to be a very, very, very polarizing figure and energizing figure for, again, a portion of the Republican Party, but for all the Democrats. Again, I think the reason why 16 was so close was not because of anything that Trump had done. It was because there was leftover dissatisfaction between some Sanders people and Clinton. Uh, there were some other, some local issues in, in northern Minnesota that were kind of splitting some Democrats. And so if the Democrats show up and they're energized to defeat Donald Trump, that is could be enough for them clearly to win the state. Michael,
1: always enjoy our conversations. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll reach out again soon.
2: Thank you so much. Have a great day.
1: Yeah, you too. Michael Broadcorp, former deputy chair of the Minnesota Republican Party, also hosts the uh, Breakdown with Broadcorp and uh, Becky podcast. 1048 on News Talk 830 WCCO.